Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sanctuary Daily. My name is Andrew. Today, I want to start a three-part uh, little mini-series on this passage in Ephesians, and it deals with the subject of how how we use our time, um, and it, it deals more specifically with the subject of. Um, being careful what you do with that time, being careful how you live. It's one of the clearest teachings in the New Testament about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it begins with the line, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And then it goes on from there. And we're going to uh, kind of stay uh, between verses 15 and 20 for the next couple of days. But I want to stop there and just talk this morning for a few minutes uh, on the subject of, uh, of foolishness as it relates to being careful uh, how we live. Paul is saying that a spirit-filled life is a life of wisdom. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. I think we live in a culture where we know we can be deceived and seduced and numbed and distracted and where things like just the accruing of information and knowing more, I think intuitively we know that that does not necessarily make us wiser. Information used to be the most valuable currency. And so many now, I've read article after article, it seems, over the last couple of years that is saying like, you know, wisdom is the new information, like the more we know about our how the universe works, I mean, I always think of the atom as a great example, like discovering the atom and subatomic particles and how this all works. And what do we do with this information? We create an atom bomb that could blow up the planet that we live on. In other words, an increase in knowledge and understanding doesn't necessarily mean that we're wise. You can be incredibly well-educated and still be, according to the scriptures, like a fool. There was an article uh, that was making its way around my parenting circles called How the Smartphone Destroyed a Generation. Subtle title uh, from The Atlantic. Uh, And uh, in that article, it said that if you give your kid a smartphone and put them on social media in the eighth grade, there's a 27% more likely chance that they will struggle with depression than children who participate uh, in religious activities or primarily are playing outside. Uh, in other words, we have an incredible um, capacity to create uh, the brilliance of the smartphone and then what we do with the technology that we create. Things that are, for the most part, very neutral, like a smartphone. Um, what we do with them and do we apply them to the will of God or do we get passive uh, or do we uh, straight up ignore the warning signs uh, and step into uh, a path of death, onto a path of death. Um, the Apostle Paul is saying right here is saying that because the days are evil, like because of our internal propensity, because of the brokenness around us, uh, because of the systemic injustice and brokenness in our world, like be careful. Don't be a fool. One way followers of Jesus play the fool is when they set their hearts on things that don't honor God. Uh, There's this passage uh, where Timothy writes to the church that he's pastoring. He says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation. So those who, that's like their primary desire, fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Uh, It makes me think of Jimmy Swagger. He was this, uh, in the 80s, this um, tele-evangelist sort that got into all sorts of scandal, massive ministry, the tragic story, sadly, of so many um, leaders and uh, who 
achieve some level of you know worldly fame. And he was asked the question, and there's assumptions baked into the question. And the question was, Jimmy, when did you stop? You clearly like kind of fell off the wagon here. When did you stop loving Jesus? When did you when did you stop? And Jimmy responds, like, when did I stop loving Jesus? What are you talking about? I never stopped loving Jesus. I always loved Jesus, but here's what I did. I stopped fearing God. I stopped fearing God. This right here gets at something really important in the conversation on wisdom and foolishness and doing the Lord's will. In the scriptures, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow God's precepts have good understanding. The reason the fear of God is the key to wisdom and the reason the more fueled you are with the Holy Spirit, the more you will have reverence and honor for God is because because reverence and honor for God are the restraining factors that stop you from being an idiot in your life. It's the revelation of the fear of God that makes you say, I'm not going to do this. Listen to this in Isaiah 33. The Lord is exalted for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with his justice and righteousness. He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. We're all aching for justice and aching for true knowledge, aching for wisdom, for someone to save us from all this, from all our own doing. And Isaiah says, you have access to this through a proper relationship with God, through a proper fear of God. Because if you fear God, you won't oppress the poor. If you fear God alone, you won't take advantage of people. Proverbs says, walk with the wise and you will become wise. Are there any wise people in your life? James says in chapter one, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. When's the last time you asked God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you? Paul, again, prays that the Ephesians will be filled with the knowledge of his will, with spiritual wisdom and understanding. A spirit-filled life is a life of wisdom. Everyone in our current moment seems to be talking about our time. How do we make the most of it? So many of us are bouncing between surviving and thriving. It seems like in the course of the day, we have aspirations for how we're going to thrive and make new rhythms and new routines and become better and create that thing. And at the same time, we're just trying to survive. And that in and of itself feels like a win. We're all talking about time. What do we do with it? How do we, how do we make the most of it? And Paul says, the spirit-filled follower of Jesus, first off, he says, there's a bunch of other things he says we're going to get to. He says, be wise with it. And that starts with an understanding that God cares what we do with our time and what we put into our minds and what we set our eyes on and what we set our, our, our mouths on, what we're filling our bodies with, how we're... Um, how we're following him. So let's have resolve today and every day to seek God's wisdom, to 
to know in our hearts that our Father cares deeply about what we're doing with our time. That there is more for us. There is more life and goodness and truth and beauty in even the most mundane moments. So may we be filled with the knowledge of his will, with spiritual wisdom and understanding. May our hunger grow for the word of God. May we find ourselves turning to prayer, to the God who gives generously wisdom. May we live with a greater awareness of the God who is with us, the God who so loves us and so desires us to walk in greater freedom and joy. Peace be with you.